The Disciplined Investor is underwritten by Interactive Brokers. Interactive Brokers charges USD margin loan rates from 0.75% to 1.59%. Of course, rates subject to change. Learn more at ibkr.com slash compare. And this episode is sponsored by Our Crowd. Join the fastest growing venture capital investment community at ourcrowd.com slash TDI. That's ourcrowd.com slash TDI. The Disciplined Investor is all about you, your money, and the markets. Sit back and get ready for this edition of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. This episode of The Disciplined Investor is sponsored by Horowitz & Company. If you're looking for a portfolio manager, look no further. Horowitz & Company, from seed through harvest, cultivating financial success. Wild and wacky, the best week in the markets for months, but raging volatility. The VIX drops from 35 to sub 20, and yeah, we have inflation. Definitely not transitory at over 6% year over year. Our guest today is Ross Gerber from Gerber Kawasaki. So much to cover. All this and much more on episode 744 of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. Andrew Horowitz here, and happy December to you. We're here in the Meta Podcast Verse, or the Metaverse for your ears, or the Podcast Metaverse something. Anyway, point is, we're here together, and thanks for joining me on this week and every week. We are all the way through, a couple of three weeks left in the year, lots of volatility happening in the markets. Pretty interesting. I was thinking, you know, as we're thinking about this Metaverse, is one day we're going to have some kind of VR studio that we're going to have, and maybe you could join us in the studio. That would be kind of cool, creepy at the same time, but cool that you can be a part of that. And uh, maybe we can call that YouTube with a camera. I mean, all this is being made out of the metaverse is really interesting, but let's not get carried away. The fact is we have things that are basically there. You can watch it without putting on some kind of headset. You can listen to it without putting on some kind of entire block around your head there's things that we could do right now that get us as close as possible into an immersive experience, which is part the way to what we're talking about when it comes to the metaverse. We're going to be talking to Ross Gerber about that and, and more today as well. Uh, that's going to be, I think, a really interesting discussion. We've been talking offline about some of the topics that we're going to cover today, so lots to talk about there. So uh, a couple of things before we get started. Number one, I want to mention again that next week, on the 15th of December, 5 o'clock in the afternoon on Wednesday, we're going to be hosting our end-of-year webinar. You need to be a part of this. We're going to be talking about the themes that were from 2021, some of the things that will be carrying over, and the new things that we're looking at into 2022, because there are a lot of changes in 2022 from where we've been. If you think about the fact, just one thing, just the fact that the Fed is changing up, that's a major difference than we've seen over the last 18 months or so, two years. You have to register. Go over to thedisciplinedinvestor.com. Click on the button and just register up. Then you'll get your emails before it starts and all that so you know and you don't forget. Quick note, also, yes, we have inflation. 
No one really cares too much about it. Markets don't believe that Powell et al. are going to be too aggressive right now because they haven't been in the past. And why should they change their feathers at this point? Fact, though, remains that where we are overall is in a situation where there is clear tightening happening. 6.8 inflation on a year-over-year basis. Pretty, pretty hot. And that's something that we have to look at. The fact is that I don't think markets are willing to really do anything until it's time. They might as well wait until there are something that really happens before doing anything. And I think that's where the head of a lot of investors are right now, that you know what, we've been down this road before. Let's not make the mistake of being ahead of the curve. And let's wait until such a time that we have the opportunity to see the white in his eyes when he's actually saying we're raising rates before we do anything because Powell and his team have been so dovish for such a long period of time. And the reality is that, you know, only raising rates or raising rates will be harmful. And they don't want to see that. The thing that I'm seeing really in the markets right now, they're impacting things. And I think that we need to be vigilant about is this whole COVID variant. And it seems that right now there's a lot of anecdotal evidence and information out about what's going on rather than real facts. You know, we're seeing that there is studies that are saying that this vaccine is good for that and this particular remedy is good for that against the Delta variant, original coronavirus, COVID-19, or maybe even the latest Omicron or, you know, whatever is, whatever you want to call it, whatever. And the next one and the previous ones. It doesn't matter. But one of the things I want to share with you is what exactly is going on in the minds of investors and how things are changing very quickly. We saw that there was this announcement a couple of weeks back about this variant with all these different functions that could or could not or maybe did or didn't do something that could be worse or not. Right. I mean, that's pretty much summing up what we heard. And markets caved in. And we saw the VIX pop to like 35 or so. And then as soon as there was a reality that, oh, my gosh, you know, the markets are reacting very unfavorably to this condition. Let's change the narrative, change the discussion. And we went from panic to euphoria. We went from what was really a bad week to one of the best weeks we've seen in months. And markets really reacted very significantly. The bottom line is that we have a lot of volatility. We have range that's going on. And we have the end of the year. We have lower volumes than I've seen. It really is not peaking out because it's just a, a condensed amount of liquidity possibly right now. It's not the time at this point to be fully loaded on margin, bullied up, bullish up to the point where, hey, you know what? We're going to bet the farm. We actually cleaned up a bit of our cash uh, or our, our portfolio and upped our cash and cleaned up the portfolios a little bit in the past several weeks. We're still looking at quality. We're still looking at being invested. Right now, there's still a lot of liquidity. We know that, generally speaking, underneath everything. We know that the the growth in, in, in quality names has been substantial. There's undervalued areas that we have seen and, and really discovering in, in areas and sectors and regions around the world. The U.S. dollar looks a little bit at a top end of an intermediate trading range. All that means that right now, again, I confirm, concur, and agree with it's not the time to panic, nor to get uh, totally immersed in the what-ifs. However, it's also not the time to be complacent. And that's a big issue. There are a lot of things that you may want to look at for continuing your inflation protection journey. 
maybe some of the hedging on your portfolio is some of the things that we do. We still hold in a hedge on our managed growth strategy, a small one, but a hedge and cash that gives a little bit of a buffer in there. But we still are pretty committed to some of the names that have really shown that they have the opportunity moving forward. And those names are changing a little bit right now. We just changed at the beginning of this month, a whole new crop of names hit that portfolio. But also, what we're really focusing in on the other side, whether it's through our Investology strategy, our ETF and mutual fund, our advisor-crafted technology-enhanced strategy, through that or even through the multi-pronged dollar cost averaging, one foot, one foot out in our global allocations, looking for certain regions, which we will talk about further in the webinar that's coming up. That's next Wednesday. So I'm going to plug that one more time for you. So there's a lot happening. Like I said, don't be cavalier right now. I think that's really not the message I want to get. Uh, I want, that is the message that I want to put forth, right? The message is don't be cavalier. Don't be complacent right now because I think we're at a bit of a inflection point with all this when it comes to markets and where we are with the Fed. A change is a coming. We need to be on our toes. Let's set it up. Let's bring on our guest. Let's get it going. And Ross Gerber is the co-founder, president, and CEO of Gerber Kawasaki Wealth and Investment Management. He oversees Gerber Kawasaki's corporate and investment management operations, as well as serves individual clients. Uh, he's a regular on all sorts of TV, is an expert in all things EV, electric vehicle. Just launched a new ETF that follows the firm's strategy, symbol uh, GK, and also has a new corporate division and educational arm. So the last time Ross was on was January 31st, 2021. Basically, we started the year with his ideas, his concepts, what was going on. So I thought it was only fitting to have him back to end the year of 2021 and to see what's in store for 2022. Ross, you got a lot of uh, ideas coming up? Oh, I mean, God, the world changes quickly uh. <laughs> today. So there's so much opportunity with that. It's amazing. You know, I mean, Rapidness how, of change. How was your 2021? It was, it was, I know it was really busy for you. It was also a little bit, <laughs> did you find it confusing and very exciting at the same time? From a markets perspective or from like my business perspective? Well, use either one or both. Well, I mean, my business is booming. I started the year with the idea of really getting into a couple new businesses, especially crypto. We, we did a partnership with Gemini and it's amazing. The deposits are like 24 seven seven days a week. Right. So we've got a crypto team now. They have to work on the weekends. You know, I like feel bad. Uh, so we're trading cryptocurrencies, which mostly Bitcoin and Ethereum, actually all Bitcoin and Ethereum. And it's just an amazing growth and opportunity in our industry. And I'm happy we're involved in Tyler and, and the Gemini team have been great. And secondly, we started ETF, um, the GK ETF, mm -hmm. which was in July. So there was a few months in of work and SEC stuff to get it launched. We launched on July 2nd, I got to ring the bell on the New York Stock Exchange. I was just back in New York last week for uh, a Polestar uh, event for EVs. And um, it's just so exciting to be listed on the New York Stock Exchange, to be able to own the 47 companies we own publicly and, and have individual investors be able to, you know, participate in, in the work that we're doing. And so you don't have to be a client of ours now to participate in the investment management side of what we do. And that's been great. You know, we're, we're growing very fast there. And then lastly, we started a tax and accounting business because I got tired of dealing with accountants and 
And boy, you know, the demand for that is off the charts. So yeah. it's just been a great year and, and people want financial services and, and they really haven't been approached in a way that appeals to them. And so our approach has really been working. You know, it's interesting. Let's unpack some of that because I, I, I'm in the same business. We're in a similar business. And I've had a very similar experience this year with, you know, we have a with tax and accounting arm that we do here. Very kind of a quiet under the, right. you know, just, just kind of like, you know, if it's appropriate, but but clients are like, well, like, you know, do you want to use some? No, no, we want to use you. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. Let's unpack some of the things. You talked about the partnership with Gemini and doing the crypto side of things. Now, question for you. You said you're trading uh, crypto and you're trading Ethereum. Are you actually, when I say trading, are you actively trading, looking for various points of no. entry and sale? Or is it more of kind of like a you're accumulating for these people? We're, we're, we're mostly accumulating. Mm -hmm. So our strategy is the same strategy used in the stock market. It's called dollar cost averaging. And so we take advantage of the volatility of Bitcoin through dollar cost averaging. And so when I say trading, let's say like a client just sent me 200,000 to buy crypto. Mm -hmm. Our typical allocation today is about 50% Bitcoin, 50% Ethereum in what we're buying. And so, you know, like I'm not going to just like buy at the highest point and put hundred percent in. So what we do is it's kind of the same thing we do in the stock market. When stocks get whacked that we like, we just buy more and we just kind of wait for those moments of volatility and then we buy more. So like this weekend, we were really busy in crypto. You know, it was like, you know, <laughs> that was <markets>. a big, <laughs> that was wild, huh? Right, right. But that's like what I'm saying is like you're sitting there and it's at 60,000 and next thing you know, it's at 48,000 and then our crypto team jumps in and picks up some coins, you know, and our team is just great, you know, like they, don't mind, I guess, 24 seven markets, you I know, yeah. I, I do. I personally don't like trading on the weekend, but that's when opportunities arise and yeah. that's when we'll take them. It's been, it's been most of these crashes have occurred on like a, a weekend. It's random. Yeah. I think it's random. Yeah. Now the second so thing, crypto is really good dollar cost averaging. Right. Asset. The second thing you talked about was the ETF, the GK symbol. And right. how exciting was that to ring the bell and kind of be involved <laughs> there and be in the, just, just to, to, to say that kind of like, you know, you've, you've witnessed this all your life. You've seen well, this kind you of know, thing every day. I, I grew up with a stock certificate in my hand or whatever you want to say, you know. <laughs> right. I, I don't know. I, it was one of the greatest moments of my career being able to ring the bell with my partners, mostly because I got to share it with my partners, yep. um, all of us being together. And it was like the month that we thought Corona was over, which was July. And so we were like in New York, we went, we partied, we had dinners, you know, rang the bell, you know, it was just an amazing day, really. Right, right. And, and then it ended. But I'm, I'm kind of a big history guy. Like mm -hmm. I love history and I love that about the stock market. And I love that about the New York Stock Exchange. And I've been going to the exchange since I was a kid. In 2000 was my first trip to the exchange at the top of the market. And I just love the history of what I'm a part of. And so to be there and and be a part of that history, even a small little bit of it, signing the wall that, you know, the book, there's a book you sign mm -hmm. in. It's like Rockefeller signed it and Buffett and JP Morgan himself. And, you know, I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah, you that's, know? that's congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah, some kids, you know, they want to be baseball stars. I don't know. I uh, so, to so what's really cool, though, is that you have been utilizing uh, the the... Uh, let's just say the unfortunate circumstances with Kathy Wood arc fund to your advantage on this whole thing. <laughs> well, there's no unfortunate situation. Kathy has a style of investing that's very different than mine. We both benefited greatly 
from our Tesla investment. I'm a very big fan of Kathy's. She was there for me and the ARC team was there during a time with Tesla that there was nobody else. It was me and Ron Barron and, and ARC. So I have tremendous respect for what they do, but I manage money differently and, and I'm extremely competitive. And I felt really, really like all my clients think I'm great. You know, it was like, wow, you know, you do great for us. But like, there was no like public entity where people could say, wow, Ross is such a great money manager. Here's the proof. And so I didn't really have a public vehicle and she did. And, and she achieved enormous success having that public vehicle. So I was kind of like FOMOing not having an ETF when yeah. we had enormous returns like hers, or maybe even better. That being said, um, I feel like her, her inability to adapt to the markets changing has been a huge cost to her shareholders, me being one of them. So we own ARC at my firm and I am not happy and we've been selling it. And that's why we've been advising people to do the same thing. It's you, you got to tax loss harvest yeah. out of these things and accept that Teladoc is not, and Roku is not the future. It's just not. And I, and I get that her belief in innovation and, and I really believe in a lot of her visions, but like Robinhood is a piece of crap company. Yep. Like how did that get through their analysis? Like what, who I know their team, like what, has blinded them. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I'll, I'll, can you, you're, you're asking the question and I'm going to tell you my, my take on this whole thing. Okay. I think that Kathy would have taken a, a page out of the playbook of, um, of, Janice. of uh, uh, who? Like Janice. In Janice, the 90s. but also SoftBank, the newer version of that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So, so when, um, uh, Masayasa son, whatever the guy's name is, right. He goes in and what he did was very interesting in January, right. When we had the show last time, when things were going crazy, remember when those mega caps were going absolutely through the roof for no reason. We saw like Apple and Microsoft, it was like six or 7% days on these things for absolutely right. no reason. Well, this whole out of the money call option, way out of the money right. call option where you had to get the hedge, uh, other, other side hedged and buying up. I think that the idea, the concept, big picture concept of uh, money bully, a money bully. Okay. <laughs> you follow what I'm talking about? Yeah. I don't agree with this though. No, but the idea that I could utilize my, my, um, my, my breath of what I have and just, buy a stock and that is going to lift it by itself. And that, that you know, I'm going to buy Robinhood because it, it's kind of that's has the way you get whacked. Uh, well, that's what's happened. Hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. See, like I believe that economics and the markets are bigger than any one person. So I if do you, think you, you know, you're going to just like corner the market on out of the money calls and force the stock up and all this fantasy stuff that's on wall street bets. That's not the way markets work over time. You know, they over, eat over you time. alive. Right. Yeah. They right. eat you alive. If you think you're smarter or bigger than the market. Mm -hmm. See, the difference from my perspective is the concept of valuation, where I value innovation very highly too, but I also value actual results. And when you look at a company that doesn't actually have financial results and you say, what's it worth? I, like a company I'm looking at is a company called Luminar. Luminar. Mm -hmm. Luminar. Yep. Luminar is run by this. That was a SPAC. It's a SPAC and it's run by this really smart guy. Mm -hmm. It's all this LIDAR based system. I met the guy the other last week and, and I thought he was, a, he's this yeah, young genius guy and he definitely is. And he's building this amazing LIDAR system that all the car companies are going to use. So we're looking at the stock and stocks trading at, let's say 15 today. And it was as high as 40. And I'm like, what's their revenue? And the revenue is basically nothing. So you, you, you're buying a $5 billion set of technologies and so when you don't have any revenue or profits and you only have an estimate of what the future potential market is, 
the what you pay for that can be wildly different depending on the day. Right. And that's the difference between like one of my top holdings is Lennar. And people are like, why do you own Lennar? Like talking about boring, non, you know, like innovation, right? Uh-huh. They build homes. They have innovated because they're investing in companies like Open Door, which has been really successful for Lennar. And I, and they get the future of homes, but they, but the demand for building homes is off the charts. Mm-hmm. Our real estate section in our portfolio, which is over 10, 12% of our portfolio is killing it. And there's no exposure in ARC to real estate. And that to me is right. crazy. Well, that's a good point. Because I, I happen to know a lot about Lennar because uh, somebody that works here, uh, let's just say there's a very close, they're down here, they're right here. Hopefully they're good. Hopefully it's good news. Yeah, no, it's all good. My point is, though, that they're very inventive, right? You know, you mentioned Open Door. They yeah. spun that off, and, and they have that. But they also have a mortgage division. They also have a small yeah. home division. They also yeah. have various appliance. Uh, and a uh, rental business exactly. thing that they're working yep. on. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So so it's innovation. Like So we, we consider real estate one of the industries that's ripe for disruption. A company that we're also looking at is Matterport, which is also a SPAC. Um, and Matterport's doing real estate disruption through 3D imaging. Very, very interesting company. Same issue. No real revenue yet. You know, growing. I don't know what the technology is worth. Actually, We're trying they have, to they have I happen to own that also for a different reason, by the way. We're getting into the world of I like the metaverse company. here. Uh, yeah. Because they can kind of cross over. That's where the things happen. Yeah, happen. I don't they, see it as a metaverse play. I see it as a real estate play. But yeah. No, but a metaverse as you're building the metaverse itself. As you're building the properties. That's video game companies. So, well, they, these guys can utilize their concept to... To, to utilize for the uh, program. Oh, I think there's such a bigger thing for Matterport when you think about selling real estate online and having 3D images of right. all the properties in the world. That's like a Google of properties, right? Right. So so Matterport, I think, is a great concept and idea and one that I own a little bit of shares myself, but not yet for the firm. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I actually have spent some time with Alec Gores, who's the guy behind Matterport and Luminar and uh, Polestar. And He's just this like genius business guy and he's legit. Unlike some of the other SPAC operators. So, so I like the Gore SPACs. So let's go, let's go for a second into EVs because obviously this is your, this is your thing. You know, it's my thing. It's your thing. Uh, You know, you you love Tesla. Arkhamoto, you you introduced me to uh, the the CEO there. We had him on. um, No, you had Mark on. Not too, not too long ago. Smart guy. Very smart guy. Yeah. I like Uh, Mark. um, You know, some interesting things that are going on out there. Obviously you're a big believer in Tesla. You recently took a couple of, of rides in various cars. You're looking at Lucid. You talk yep. about that. And actually, you I'll, I'll give you some credit here for a second because you're you're, you're you're a Tesla fanboy. Let's be honest, okay? The thing is, you I, really- I'm not a Tesla fanboy. Yeah, I'm a Tesla investor. Uh, I love the vehicles. I love cars. And, and Tesla makes amazing vehicles. So in that sense, I'm a fanboy. Okay, I'm a, Tesla, a Tesla maximalist. How's that? Right. <laughs> but it's true. No, but but what I'll say is that you did some nice review of some of these other cars that you said that actually if they can get their acts together, they'll this is going to be pretty good. Yeah, oh yeah. You I, know? So no, I'm an EV guy. Yeah, yeah. Like see like I drove a Maserati, I drove an Aston Martin, I've drove Porsches my life. You know, I loved all those cars. Like mm-hmm. I love gas cars even, you know, like but I also love the future and I care about my children. And when you look at the Porsche Taycan Turbo, which is a beautiful car, just beautiful. And it's really embarrassing that they couldn't get specs on this thing to compare to a a Model S, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But if they get a battery going in these Porsches, they got a great business going forward. I love Porsches. You know, so like when you think about what I really care about is the environment. And the solution to the environment 
is in transportation and energy and transportation, especially for me in LA, you just see the millions of cars every day sitting in traffic, destroying the environment, getting nowhere. And you're like, boy, between saving lives with autonomous driving and going EV and saving the environment, these two things could be one of the most consequential things that affects our society over the next 10 years or 20 years, you know, like hugely consequential. And so like I am pushing and supporting every car or EV company forward. What I want them to do is be successful. Mm -hmm. What I don't want them to do is burn the bridges of the consumer with products or bad deliveries or not having service or whatever, all the problems that come with building new industries. And so I am also very critical of the companies that aren't doing it right because I don't want people to have bad experiences. For example, the GM disaster. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Well, it's just, you build a bunch of Chevy bolts that suck and then they catch on fire and everybody's like, I don't want an EV. They catch on fire. And it's like, no, they don't catch on fire if you build the battery right. Right. And then they recall everyone and then the owners have bad experiences and they don't get their money back and they'd have a substandard vehicle. And, and then they don't want an electric car. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So what GM is doing is actually sabotaging the electric car business by pretending they want to be in it, but really just building garbage to convince people to buy their gas cars. Ford finally figured out that that strategy would lead to their ultimate demise and started down the road of, Hey, here's some great EVs and people want them like crazy. But now Ford doesn't know what to do because they've got car dealers and they got unions. And those two things don't work with electric vehicles. So, no, the bigger picture they have, the bigger problem they have, everybody's like, hey, how, how is how is a Tesla, as an example, go back to Tesla, how is Tesla valued at that much money compared to, let's say, a Ford or GM? And the, the big issue really is, it, it's it's all the benefits. I mean, you know, you, you look at the, well, the, let the me tell retirement you plans at Ford. Let me tell you a story. That What you're saying is absolutely true, but Tesla is not a car company. Okay, yeah, it's, it's technology just not. Company. It's a technology yeah, company. Okay. And I just had an issue with my software on my full self-driving that was screwing up my car. And I didn't really tweet about it because I wasn't sure how bad my car was going to be screwed up and how easy it'll be to fix. And so I didn't want to see what happened first. So my car was basically just like dying. And so I was like, what's going on? So I, I, I take it to service and service was like kind of dumbfounded by it because I had full self-driving. They hadn't really worked on that software yet. And they're basically run diagnostics tests because it's a computer. You know, and so they, so it's not like your brakes are broken. It's like, there's something wrong with the computer or the software and we're going to figure it out. So nevertheless, they couldn't figure it out. So I call, I I email full self-driving team and they're like, immediately assign this engineer. And this engineer guy gets into my car. He sees the problem in my car, writes some script, downloads it onto my car, fixes the problem, updates the software on my car. This is all done remote from wherever this guy was. He's emailing me on a Sunday morning things fixed, fine. My cars never work better. Now I'm like, this is not a car. Right, this is right, a right, right, right. highly yeah. advanced supercomputer right. mm-hmm. that drives you. Right. That happens to have a, a wheels on it. Happens to have wheels. <laughs> happens to have, wheels, happens yeah. to have a functionality that's right. very useful, right. but it is the most advanced computer system I have ever seen or operated. Yeah. No, that, that's, uh, that's impressive. I mean, that's obviously why I love old. being a part of FSD beta though. Oh, I love you? it. Yeah. Oh, I want to talk about that. Let me just take a quick break. It's amazing. Let me take a quick break and uh, talk about a couple of the supporters of the show. And then uh, I want to get back to that. First, we have to talk about interactive brokers. And interactive brokers 
has something called Global Analyst, which helps you find new global investment opportunities to diversify your portfolio and discover undervalued companies that may have greater growth potential. Global Analyst lets you easily compare the relative value of global stocks by region, country, or by industry. Find out why smart investors choose interactive brokers. Go to Global Analyst today at ibkr.com slash GA to find out what it's all about. I also want to mention Owl Crowd because Owl Crowd is something pretty interesting because what this company does is analyze other companies across the global private market and selects those with the greatest growth potential, then brings them to you. From personalized medicine to cybersecurity to robotics, you can think about quantum computing and, and, and even more. In state-of-the-art labs, startup garages, and anywhere in between, our crowd is identifying innovators. So you can invest when growth potential is greatest. And that's early. Our crowd's accredited investors have already invested over $1 billion in growing tech companies, and many of their members have benefited from the 46 IPOs and sale exits of their investments. Now, you can truly diversify your portfolio by investing early in innovative private market companies at Our Crowd. Join the fastest growing venture capital investment community at OurCrowd.com slash TDI. That's OurCrowd.com slash TDI. All right, so quickly, let's go through this. Let's go to the full self-driving, uh, the beta that you're involved with. I mean, what, right. what, what, how far do you actually hold your hands off the wheel? I mean, well, no, no. <laughs> With full self-driving beta, you don't take your hands off the wheel. Oh, See, it's okay. different than autopilot. <laughs> autopilot, I have a hundred percent confidence. Like I could go to bed going seventy-five, and I'm oh, very confident. God. Not very confident in it. Mm -hmm. um, not that I do that by any means, right. but but like I, I could literally like fall asleep, and and the car would like pull over safely. You just, that's how good it is. Right. But remember you're driving straight and it's super easy because the variables are just idiots that cut you off. Mm -hmm. So like autopilot isn't a really big challenge for a supercomputer. Um, when you go to full self-driving in LA, especially where I drive, it is the most difficult AI challenge you could imagine yeah. between all the variables that are happening. Yeah. And that's what makes it so interesting to be a part of, but it's like teaching a 16 year old how to drive. The car is like a 16-year-old and drives extremely tentatively like a 16-year-old. And you literally have to either disengage or like show it what to do or, but it learns. That's the crazy part. So the, so you have to actually keep your hand on the steering wheel. Safety is super important on full self-driving and they like will take it away from you if they catch you not paying attention because it's just not good enough yet to like not hold the wheel yeah. while you're using it. Right. Now that's not a bad thing because that's the purpose of beta testing is to teach the car. But what's amazing as I've seen this go over the last couple of months, and it's only been a few months I've had it, it's gotten considerably better. And the last update was like an order of magnitude better. And I'm like, wow. Like, so today I had a pretty good drive to work with a few disengagements, but I think I knocked out about 50% of the disengagements wow. just from this upgrade. That's pretty so, impressive. So it learned. Dude, it learned. I'm telling you, it's, 
it's the most consequential software being developed in this modern time. Right. Now, I want to kind of segue into a few things that may be kind of some themes that we saw developing throughout 2020-21 into 2022. And I'm going to give you a choice, okay? Okay. We could talk about weed. We could talk about cryptos yeah. and NFTs. We could talk about metaverse. I like all three. Okay, all three together. How about all three? How about we <laughs> smoke three. weed? Play video games yeah. in the metaverse yeah. and well, use crypto to buy our skins. <laughs> let's that's talk, the future. Well, let's that's talk, actually the future. I hear you. Let's talk about weed to begin with because that's something that's older in terms of, you know, where we saw this developing. Then it kind of all of a sudden people weren't as excited about it anymore. It's like, okay, we're going to- It's just the government. Yeah. It's gonna, is that really what's going to be the big issue here? Because not, right yeah. now there's very little opportunity to buy anything in the U.S. based in terms of market uh, with that, but- uh, it looks like no. You have to buy. You have to buy Canadian. MSOS and ETF, yeah. which is basically futures. Or you go out to the Canadian exchange on Charles Schwab and try to buy these things. But you know these stocks have gotten super cheap, and I haven't gone all in yet because I haven't seen you know the tea leaves moving in the right direction from the stupid politicians. So here's a, an issue which is a win-win for Republicans and Democrats. It's just a win, you know, like the fact that. So many African-Americans have been affected by drug laws like cannabis, which we consider a completely harmless drug, and it's destroying people's lives. I mean, people being sent to Rikers Island, which is an inhumane place and for little things like possession and, and the sales of cannabis, and, and that's still going on um, state and federal level in many states in the country. And and it's just so wrong. It's just mm -hmm. wrong. Like there's capital rioters that got 30 days in prison. But if you get caught selling weed, you could go to jail for years and it needs to stop. And the politicians are so busy arguing about their money and their entitlements that we just never got to legalization this year. So right. it's just another year that people sit in prison for no so, reason So you're talking about a, a concept of one first, obviously what you're saying is decriminalization, legalization across the board. Yeah, um, and, and expungement. Right, expungement. Of, of people's then, yeah, and, and, and people and, should be able to get a job. Yeah, African-American, and to just sit around and say it's their fault is so freaking ignorant. Okay, like look at the way our society is so rigged against certain groups of people, especially African-Americans. And, and the least we can do is level the playing field a little bit and maybe create some incentives, education, other things to help the community. So that's one of the big drivers for me of cannabis legalization is just social equity. The second is that these are legitimate businesses creating tons of jobs in America. It's legal in most states today. And we're dealing with a hypocrisy where opioid drugs are legal. The biggest drug dealers in America are public companies. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. The biggest cause of death and destruction are public companies. I think they just said Walmart and CVS and Walgreens were just indicted or something for being drug dealers. Right, and the opioid deal. They, they were part yeah. of the whole Purdue deal. Yeah, and they yeah. just settle it out. Well, I have a dead friend from mm. opioids, mm. one of my good friends, mm. and he died several years ago from opioid addiction, and he left his family, a two wonderful young children who are the same age as my kids, and a beautiful young wife who is my wife's best friend. So I get to, to play with these kids every few months and be around them. And, and I'm reminded constantly of the loss yeah. to our society from these companies. So it's time that we legalize cannabis for many reasons. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, and, and, and even with that, you even have to look at, you know, I see people who are the, the dangerous side of, of alcohol, for example, right? Oh, God, and, I know. 
you know, and then and then it's like, you know, listen, I think there's always a little bit of a risk with all this stuff, but the question is what level? That's the question, right? So, um, but yeah. We live I, in I, a, a hypocritical society course, course. that chooses what it wants to jail people for based off what, like, implementation of social order they choose. Yeah. And cannabis laws have always been used against immigrants, minorities, lower income people as a way to jail them for no reason. It's just insane. Let's talk yeah. about uh, crypto and NFTs. We talked about your your new venture and uh, right. educational component that you do at your firm related to crypto and all that. But let's talk about NFTs for just yeah. just for a moment because everybody wants to talk about that. Because first of all, every time I say the word NFT and they're like, what is that? And I say non-fungible token and they're like, what is that? I don't understand what yeah, that means. Exactly. What's fungible mean? I don't even understand, right? People are like- Fungible is like an actual physical thing. No, no, what I'm saying, people ask me that. But yes, why, I don't you, know. why don't you why, why, why don't you explain a little bit? I mean, I think this has gone a little bit nutty recently. Yeah, with, absolutely. With, you know, with some of the things that are selling. I mean, we saw a boat- a yacht, the Mayflower port <laughs> yacht for 675, approximately $675,000, uh, uh, I think it was, and the equivalent of, of ETH that was sold. And that was for one of the, uh, the, 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 what the was games. it like a digital boat? It was, yeah, it was a yacht. Yeah. And I got to tell you, it looked, it looked, it was, it was, it was a horrible design. It was so, it was squared off. It was ugly. It yeah. looked like a, a Lego thing that they, they sold. Yeah. And then the land, you know, they opened up the sandbox. Yeah, digital land. The digital, digital land. land and the sandbox was being selling for huge amounts of I money. I got my real estate clients calling me about it. Oh, gosh. Should we be buying this? I have people that wanted me to put together a consortium to think about putting together an LP to maybe, I'm like, what? Yeah. What are you talking yeah. about, dude? You could have a, you could oh. have a REIT of fake land. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, with, with yield, fortunately, though, fortunately it, my use of cannabis allows me to think really outside the box at times. Uh-huh. And- I am also a gamer. So I understand the digital world very well. And I buy things in the digital world for my Warzone characters on Call of Duty. And I spend a decent amount of money on Roblox for my children in the metaverse. And I, I love the metaverse. And there's a thing between the metaverse and NFTs, which is basically this world of digital things and this world of digital existence. And there are many worlds that exist. And that's why I think buying digital land or digital assets now is very premature because we don't know which land will be the real land that becomes valuable yet. Or maybe there will just be many, which is my thesis, which is just like gaming. Some of us like the metaverse for killing. That's where I go to, to release my energy. I play call of duty and me and a group of guys who are older, you know, shoot and blow up people all night. You know, and that's what I, I prefer the violent metaverse. Yeah. Other people want to do their job in the metaverse. I absolutely don't want to do that. Yeah. You know we, try, I mean? we tried to actually put the Oculus Quest 2 on. I bought a few of them recently just to kind of figure out what this whole thing is all about. Interesting. Okay. You know, yeah. kind of fun. Oculus is not a great product. Not a great product, but I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to go crazy. I just want something to slap on my head and see what it does. You well, know what I mean? Well, you know, and so I have to premise it in that we're old. So like, we don't want to like make judgments about things that we're old. So like my whole thing is with the NFT is some of these things are great ideas. And I do a lot of stuff in the music industry and for music, which is a totally digital product. One of the saddest things that's happened is the loss of getting physical tickets and physical posters, which really defined the era of music in the sixties and seventies, yep. 
was these physical, fungible things like posters. Now, I own a lot of rock memorabilia. I collect rock memorabilia, physical memorabilia. And one of the things that makes me sad is in the last decade, almost every show I've been to, there was no physical thing that I actually got from that show. They always had shirts. They always had shirts. Who's, but let me There's stop. shirts, but I they wear stop. out. I don't know, you know if I ever asked like, you this. Who, who's your favorite? Who's, who's one of your favorite bands, like concert bands? Well, I mean, I have many. I mean, are you talking about like still alive or people yeah. I've seen that aren't Something alive? That you just, or, whatever just came to your mind when I asked you. Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, really? Because I just bought some Stevie Ray Vaughan stuff again. Cool. And uh, he was just one of the greatest guitar players that ever lived. I was lucky enough to see him in 1991, right before he died. Mm. At, at a blues festival with BB King and Joe Cocker. And oh my God, yeah. it was amazing. But I was thinking about it because they had these Blackbird posters, which was his first band out of Austin. Now Austin's like super hot right now. And so I was like, dude, I got to get one of these Blackbird posters because all these Austin people who don't even know anything about music, they, they don't realize Stevie Ray was like, Anton's like was the place. And so I think Stevie Ray will become more and more popular over time as more and more people move to Austin. Remember the posters we used to get? Remember the posters we used to get? There was like velvet and black light lit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the Austin music yeah. scene was, is like amazing. You know, yeah. like nobody talks about it. They always talk about, oh, it's tech and oh, it's Tesla and oh, it's this. No, no, Austin's and awesome. It's a music place. Yeah, yeah, of course. It, it, you know, that's the way I know and, Austin. And barbecue. Yeah, well, that too, of course. I mean, for me, that's my ideal day. Right. Like having barbecue and listening to blues at Anton's or something. Right. It would be amazing, you know. So my band is Rush, by the way. I'm a big Rush fan. Big, oh, okay. Big, I big. saw Rush. Yeah, I've seen Rush about seven times. I saw Rush at Tower Records. Oh, gosh. In 1993, I think it was. Wow. And it was like a... It was like a promotion event when you'd like call in on the radio and get free tickets to shit. Right. And I used to be up early because I was a stockbroker, you know? And so I call, I was 25 and I called into the radio and I won this thing at tower records. Now it's like a legendary thing, tower right. records, you yep. know? Yep. And, and I saw rush and they were amazing. I think I probably amazing. saw them the first time in like 1980. My, uh, my craziest, my, my craziest till to this day, I still have a problem by the way. in one of my ears, from this concert was an Ozzy yeah. Osbourne concert the year, sure. year he hung a midget, and I got really yeah. way too close to a speaker. Yeah, yeah, they that was like Guns N' Roses when I saw them in '89. Like I, I thought I would be deaf, you yeah. know. Like it was, <laughs> it was bad. Right, it, it was painful. Right, you know. There's only been a few big concerts I've seen, but I actually I have some level of hearing damage because I'm actually a musician and mm-hmm. and I've been playing music well, my I've whole seen, life. I've seen your, I've seen your, 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 your. your uh, yeah, your, you know, I, I still play a lot of music and. I wish I was playing more, you know, now because so many venues are gone, but, and, and I'm not playing live again yet. Because well, maybe you can play in the metaverse soon. Yeah, that's the future. <laughs> that's so the going future. back to NFTs, yeah. that's the future. Right. So like if you're a band today, playing in the metaverse and, and using NFTs for tickets or concert posters is the future. And it's a huge opportunity because there's so many music fans and I want to have something to remind me of Coachella or my festival or my show or my favorite band. And so now how do we make these digital assets valuable to people? And how do we do this in a way that's fair so we're not ripping people off? And I think there's a lot to this moving forward. I mean, I would think, listen, I have a friend who, who is a musician, by the way, he's a guitar player. He he also collects the concert stubs, right, for years, years and years. Yeah. And he actually scanned those somehow, took a picture, did something, and, and uploaded to some company over the years, right? And right. and everyone's, it's kind of like um, a thing where, like, it's like, hey, 10 years ago today, you were at this concert. And it shows, you know, these shows, it comes yeah. up in your email, shows you a picture. But it doesn't have to, does it have to be about the trading to make money on this? That's what this NFT thing and these young kids is all about. It's like, hey, you know what? We'll buy this thing and we'll just you know, squeeze out massive amount of profits from it. 
Yeah. So what I think you're thinking about is the massive amounts of greed Mm -hmm. that's rolling through the system right now. And it's not just in NFTs. It's, you know, obviously in the stock market too. There's actually a lot of people who still think GameStop is actually a real stock. But like, I think, (laughs) I think that, so I, I, you know, you're, you're an older guy like me. We, we did the nineties. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I thought it was, a really long time for that to happen again. Now I also did the financial crisis and I remember the real estate greed. And one of the things I believe is in human fallibility and, you know, our desires to let emotions like fear and greed drive our behaviors has, uh, is as long as history is the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. So the Bible is filled of stories of greed and fear basically. And the Bible isn't actually a history book. It's actually a book about lessons, about greed and fear and power. Mm -hmm. And so when you see the kind of greed that's going around with the NFTs or the cryptos or the coins or the, it could be anything. It is something to be concerned about because it ultimately ends poorly. Yeah. And we don't know when that end is, but I am very sure it will be much related to when the Federal Reserve decides to raise interest rates. Yeah, right, right. So, Not an arbitrary so, date. Right. So, right. like, for me, it's all fun and games till the Fed starts doing shit, which will be next year. And then next year when the Fed starts doing stuff, all this fun and games ends, and it's going to be real hard for the people who spent $200,000 on a digital piece of crap. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the things I thought was recently interesting about one of the sell-offs that we saw this year, do you think there's some end of, I'm kind of just going into a different direction here real quick to sum this all up, but, you know, we saw a little bit of a, a significant sell-off of many of the high flyers and many of the companies right. that did well. Do you wonder? I wonder if there's some tax selling. The dates are really interesting because if you think about it, just the beginning of December and you have that wash sale rules so then you can come buy them back at the beginning right. of next year. I wonder if there was a lot of that going on because it did kind of feel like Every it was year. overdone. But this year in particular, because we are potentially going to a higher tax bracket moving forward. Um, we certainly don't advise clients to trade based off especially this tax plan because who the hell knows, right? Mm-hmm. Um I think that's an annual thing. You know, we do it. I tax loss harvest hard. You know, you brought up, you know, why should people tax loss harvest out of Kathy and invest with my fund? Mm-hmm. It's not per se. I have anything against Kathy. She just lost you 40%. So, you know, if you bought in at the end of last year, you're down 30, 40%. Why would you not take that loss and roll it into an asset that's growing very nicely like my fund? So you can always buy your it back in 30 days if you want. You know, mm-hmm. um, but tax loss harvesting, I just read, a, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal for a typical investor can make an extra 2% of return just by doing proper tax loss harvesting. Right. And I, and I absolutely believe that. So you see that at the end of November, because we either double up on our losses and then take the loss if it doesn't recover by the end of the year, or we take our losses usually in November, right? Um, and then like, we'll add to back those positions at the end of December, because we typically get a Santa Claus rally and a January rally. Cause it's the strongest time mm-hmm. in the stock yeah, market. So, sure. so seasonality is a real thing in the stock market. And if people don't really realize that, then they haven't studied the stock market. Yeah. I hear anything else that's really exciting looking into 2022 with the prospect of the Fed raising rates, shutting down, <laughs> shutting down the quantitative easing program. Anything else? I mean, we, again, we talked about the space race. That's something that's right. going on right now. I think, and I've talked about this, and you're, you're a good guy to say this to, is it seems like, because I know you talked about this, uh, after I kind of brought this up on my other show, it's, you know, we need a, we need a, we need a waste management space division. 
<laughs> right? We need a lot of space stuff going on. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's yeah. crowded and crappy up there. Well, there's no order, you know, it's like sort of like a free for all. And since it's so hard to get up there, it was sort of like, well, we don't need to worry about that because nobody gets up there. And then the Russians go off with this idea of like, let's blow something up up there and see what happens. Yeah. And it was a really bad idea. Um, I, I have mixed feelings about space, although I find space exploration to be fascinating and I think it should be done. I also think that it's has almost in some ways, little value because it's really, you're just trying to accomplish stuff for the sake of accomplishing stuff. But what's out there is, is, is pretty far away and and pretty sad. You know, it's like, it's not star Wars, you know? Um, so it's a very, you know, I keep trying to get this in the Elon's head. Even if we make it to Mars, man, it's kind of a shitty place to live. Yeah. You know? Right. I saw, like, I saw those Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like I'd rather live in Florida than Mars, <laughs> oh. right? I mean, <laughs> I just teasing you, Andrew. Now, you, you know what I mean? Like, so if, if, if Florida is so bad that we have to go to Mars, yeah. like that's really a bad day for humans. And I don't know if I want to be alive. That's you know, a like, point of reference. You do realize what people say about your state, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, nobody, absolutely. everybody's like, and much of it is true. Yeah. And much of it is true. <laughs> Just the same as what I say about your state. That's correct. And, 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 and I don't, and I think it's all in good fun. So please don't take absolutely. it personally. No, absolutely. Yeah. Cause absolutely. I actually love America and I love Texas and I love Florida parts of it. I I'm saddened by some of the policies and attitudes that exist there, but that's life. Not everybody has to agree with me and I don't have to agree with everybody else, yeah, you know? You. As long as they're not racist. Absolutely. Ross Gerber from Gerber Kawasaki Wealth and Investment Management. Uh, We'll make sure to have all the information on the show notes for this episode, episode number 744. And going to pick this up uh, next year. Make sure to check out his ETF. GK is the symbol, which is easy to remember, and all the things they're doing over there in the crypto world. So thanks for joining me. And uh, have a great and happy new year. Best to your family and your friends. And see you soon. Yeah, thank you. You too. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks. Hey, great stuff. Talking about EVs, talking about crypto, talking about what's going on with weed and metaverse, all sorts of great stuff right there. I enjoyed that conversation. I hope you did as well, too. Listen, check out all the show notes, how to get in touch with Ross, information about the webinar coming up next week, and uh, how to actually uh, get more productive with your investments. You could look at all the things that we offer for our clients as well over on thedisciplinedinvestor.com. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. I'll see you again, of course, next week. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is no indication of future results. In addition, the information presented is not intended to be used as a sole basis of any investment decisions, nor should be construed as advice designed to meet the individual needs of any particular investor. Nothing herein constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice, or individually tailored investment advice. Remember, investing involves substantial risk. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results and a loss of original capital may occur. No one receiving or accessing this information should make any investment decision without first consulting his or her own personal financial advisor and conducting his or her own research and due diligence, including carefully reviewing any applicable prospectuses, press releases, reports, and other public filings of the issuer of any securities being considered. Please consider this for educational purposes only. As always, use your best judgment when investing. Horowitz & Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training. 
Advertisements are not related to the host or affiliates and are not considered recommendations by the host of the show or any affiliates of Horowitz & Company.